All right, hallelujah. You guys ready for tonight? Yes. I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. I love coming down here. And uh, you guys are on fire in the Holy Ghost. Not everybody can say that. Amen. And uh, man, I just uh, love, we, Shelly and I love the people here. Amen. And uh, so we are really anxious about uh, what the Lord's going to do here over the next few days. Um, I was in Camden last week and uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a message prepared and the Lord woke me up Sunday morning and everything changed in one word, expectation. Man, that place got rocked last week. And uh, I just I just want to tell you, you know, after the service, we had I think we had 40 of these books out there. Um, uh, they we sold 40 books in like 10 minutes. So if you want one of these after service, you better run out there and get it. Um, this book, I wrote this book uh, this summer. Um, I've been threatening to write a book for a long, long time. And uh, uh, anyway, um, I had the, the urge around July. I sat down and all of a sudden um, the Lord started to speak to me about a couple over in India that I've been working with and about how they've been, uh, they're being equipped in the Holy Spirit and Really, my assignment and what I'm uh, assigned to do with with that uh, with that couple and uh, how things are just growing over there, and uh, this book came out. And this book is really, um, you know, it's about the the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I believe everybody is to be equipped in hearing the voice of God. Right? You you just don't get the Holy Spirit and then touch and go 50-50 whether or not you're supposed to hear him. We're all supposed to hear him. That's the essence of a relationship. Okay? And so I, I use a whole lot of cool stories, um, supernatural things, people being healed, uh, groups of 500 pastors being filled with the Holy Ghost um, and praying in tongues for the first time in their life. Um, just crazy stuff uh, uh, to illustrate how the equipping and the gifts of the Spirit are really supposed to be just a daily normal thing in us walking through our life. And so I encourage you, uh, grab a copy. This, this really um, is the expression of my heart. Uh, my heart, like I said, is that every one of uh, God's children hear His voice and, and walk in the supernatural. If you serve a, new, a supernatural God and He's your Father, if He's supernatural, aren't you supposed to be supernatural? Amen. And so, um, is there anybody here that, uh, I saw you in the back first, so I'm, I'm going back here. All right. Amen. I probably should have started out with this first, but I got the unction, right? I should, I should have introduced my wife, my beautiful wife. Go, go ahead and stand up. Give Shelly a round of applause. How many of you want to pull the gift of prophecy out of Shelly tonight? Amen. <laughs> she loves when I do that. Anyway, um, I believe I, got, I have a prophetic word for the church tonight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach for 30, 40 minutes, see, see how the Lord moves. Um, and I'm going to minister uh, to a lot of people individually. Um, so if, if you get tired, you won't offend me. You can. You know, feel free to go whenever you want, but uh, my intention is to prophesy over the whole church this weekend. Amen? 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 All right. Because, man, 
I just, I beg, I love to hear the voice of God. I thirst for the river of life to come and speak to me. Because every time He speaks to me, something supernatural changes in my life. Amen? And so, um, I believe tonight, uh, in this weekend, I believe there's a theme. The Lord started to speak to me about adoption. Anybody here um, would say that they are truly adopted son or daughter of the Most High God? Well, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the church doesn't really experience and understand what true adoption really is. Okay, so I want to I want to teach about the concept of adoption. And um, as the Lord's been speaking to me going into this year, um, just this whole thing about there's a thing on the heart of the Lord about people knowing who they are in Christ, that you truly are a supernatural son and daughter of the Most High God. You know this guy named David? Not me, but you know the David out of the Bible? Giant killer? He was just a kid that knew who his father was. And he chased a whole army of evil, not only from himself, but from everybody in Israel. Amen? It only takes one son or daughter to, to shake a city. Amen. 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 Are you with me? Amen. All right. So um, I had this dream uh, a few weeks ago. And in this dream, um, I'm standing on like this tranquil like sea. Uh, all I can describe it as is this dark blue, um, looks like glass. And the peace of Christ, the, 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 the weight, the anointing of peace was so heavy. It was just like it took my breath away because I didn't feel any anxiety. I didn't feel any fear. I didn't feel any shame, any pain. I, I didn't feel any of those feelings that in your natural body a person feels. Okay. And so um, I shut my eyes. And then when I open my eyes, I see Jesus Christ sitting on a throne. And Jesus is just staring at me with eyes piercing me he stands up and he walks over to me and um, he says he says these words to me he says do you want to meet the angel that I give charge over my army and I said said, of course right I said yes and so um, he walks he turns me to the left and standing before me was this angel he's dressed in white and he's got this big word across his uh, chest it says it's the word adoption And there's a scripture on it, Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13 says this. It says, Christ purchased our freedom from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. How many of you know that Jesus Christ, it says that he he disrobed, he actually came out of heaven for the whole mission to retrieve back the sons and daughters of God. Amen? And... The spirit of adoption is the essence of what is the charge. Think about this. The charge of the army of God is to come after His lost children. To come after those who don't really grasp it or are totally lost in the world, whatever state they're in. If there's any realm of condemnation that has gripped anybody, the spirit of adoption, this this angel, leads the charge of the army of God. To come get you and to reveal in your life the the revelation of adoption. Amen? Amen. 
Can anybody use a greater revelation of how powerful you are as a son or daughter of the Most High God? Because a person who understands and grasps hold of being adopted by the ruler of the universe, that there is no fear in love, there is nothing that can come against you that can stand before a son or daughter. Okay? And that is the charge of the army of God to come get you and the Spirit of God walks you through to the revelation, the fullness of the understanding of the love of Christ, the, the fullness of adoption. Amen? And so, you know, adoption's not, it's not an obligation. It, it was out of the mercy of Christ. He came to get us. He came to get you. Every, every person here, it says he, he was on his heart on the cross. It was on his heart in heaven when he came to do the mission to come get sons and daughters. So it's not an obligation. He came here out of love. Amen? He came here to get you. He came here to awaken you, to liberate you from condemnation. And you have to understand something. The curse of the law, the law is a curse. It's holy, but it... Is to us, it, is, it is to reveal the fact that you are condemned without the living Christ. You see, the lie of the law is that you can do it without Jesus. You see, there's, you have whole denominations, you have whole organizations that try to teach people to stop sinning and to be holy. Can I tell you this? That I don't care if you stop sinning and be the greatest self-righteous person there is. Stopping sin doesn't make you righteous. There's only one that makes you righteous. And that is the blood of Jesus that equips you by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that gives life. It's no, no, there's no self-work. You can't become adopted by trying to be holy. But if you chase after the one who, who loves you, the one who loves you has the power to drive condemnation from you. It's a supernatural reach of the Father's hand upon you that actually, it changes you. It literally does something that you can't do on your own. So it's not about you following the rules that are laid out in the law. It's about having the revelation that you need one. And that one is the one who came to save your soul. It is the power of Christ. Jesus sits on what? The mercy seat. I saw Jesus get off the mercy seat. He came out of the place of mercy to reveal a revelation that adoption leads the charge of the army of heaven for you and every person around you. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Amen? That gets me excited. That gets me so super excited because it's not about my work. You know, the, the ministry the Lord called me to, He, he came to me in a dream. Um, I, I, I know I've told this story a lot here, but He came to me in a dream uh, four years ago tells me that a man from India is going to call me. Seven days later, I get a phone call from a guy in India, and the next thing you know, you know, four years later, and there's 150,000 people that I've ministered to in India. There's 6,000 pastors filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? But can I tell you this? That work is, is nothing. My dependence is on the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that gives me life. 
Even spiritual work doesn't, uh, doesn't solidify you as a son. It's not about anything I can do, either trying to stop sin or to do a, or, or to do a spiritual work. It's about the encounter and the revelation of this love that came to adopt us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, the message of the gospel is a simple message, but the church has complicated it. You know, the law complicates it. Stop this. Don't do that. That's not the right message. The message is there's this Savior who came. He loves you so great. He came to get you. He came to reach His hand in you. He came to transform you by touching you in a way that you couldn't change yourself. Church is not about people coming together to compare each other about who's better, who, who, who stopped this better than that person. Stopping this better than that person or that person, it, it's meaningless. Because it's only the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that can reach into a person's life and transform them. Amen? Amen. So, that's liberating. Isn't that liberating? It's not about your work. Amen. Ephesians 1.5 says this, He predestined us for adoptions as sons and daughters. You know what predestined means? Predestined means that He had your destiny on His mind from the beginning. That He was coming to get you. That He was coming to reveal Himself to you. That He was going to come do something to you that you couldn't do for yourself. Amen? Amen. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Turn to the person beside you and tell them, You are a child of God. Tell them, You are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit is here tonight. To bear witness that you are a child of God. If you connect the dots, can you, can you understand why Jesus was bent? He was, I had to get to the cross. It wasn't like he was afraid, like, oh, I, I know I'm here for the cross, but oh, I, I'm going to put that off. No, no, no. No, it says that he made a beeline for the cross. Right? He made a beeline for the cross. He made a beeline for Jerusalem. He had to get to the cross so that he could take your sin, the curse of the law, everything that separated you from the love of the Father. He actually destroyed. He took it. He went down to hell. He took the keys of life and death. He ascends out of hell. And He sends you the very Holy Spirit that has the power to transform your life. I'm in love with the Holy Ghost. Come on, church. What would a church look like that if you were like burning in the Holy Ghost? I'm in such love with the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that makes me anything. Makes me what the Lord says I am. Amen. Amen. You know, I almost wrecked my car. I was, I was uh, driving um, in Tennessee. I, I can tell you the exact spot I was at. I was driving in Tennessee, and the Lord invaded my car in 2014. And He says, the church calls you prophet, but for the next season, I call you evangelist. I started to shake. Because up until that point, the only thing I ever did 
was prophetic ministry inside of a single church. But He spoke into my life. He he reached inside of me and did something that I couldn't do myself. He unlocked something. And two years later, I'm on a plane going to the other side of the world to stand in front of thousands of people. And I never even was the head pastor. I never even was the leader of a a movement outside. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. But the Lord came and He says, I call you evangelist this next season. Those are His words. He created that. He created this. Yeah, that's right, baby. He created this. <laughs> that's just a joke. I'm just, just joking. Just joking. <laughs> All right. Back to business. Back to business. Come back. Come back. Come back. <laughs> But here's the revelation, guys. There is no condemnation in Christ. Zero. Zero. You see, if you had to be honest with yourself and you do an inventory and you start saying, hey, self, how much condemnation do I really have? Why can't I just be settled in the presence of the Lord? David said this, the one thing I desire above all things is to dwell in the presence of God. He, he, had, he had such an encounter. It changed him from a, boy, a powerless boy, a runt, into this supernatural force. And he was transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was in love with the presence, the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to prove himself. He didn't have to go achieve anything. He just he was he became supernatural because he fell in love. Amen. You in love? Amen. Is there anybody here in love? <laughs> you guys okay? You guys are a little quiet tonight. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to change that. You see, adoption produces a couple key things in your life. It equips you to give mercy. When mercy isn't warranted, because if you're under the law, as you are condemned under the law, you will condemn. You can't fake it. See, if you're transformed by the presence of the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are able to look at somebody with eyes of love and see them through prophetic eyes and call out of them what the Lord sees them as, as His sons and daughters, and not for what they're trapped in and the darkness that holds them in a dark place. Mercy produces power. You see, you just can't claim to have an experience with the Holy Spirit and not be transformed by Him still condemning people. Condemnation is not a work of the Spirit. Condemnation is a work of the law. Wait, 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 wait. Just stop, Dave. Stop. This is too deep for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mercy is a product of the Spirit. Condemnation is a product of the law. You see those Pharisees who thought they were something great because they performed their way in the church? They made themselves look righteous in the church because of how they presented themselves, that they were holier than now, right? Jesus came after those imposters. 
He came and reached into the life of the sinner and pulled the sinner out of the mud. But to the Pharisee who walked around prideful, thinking that they were something because of they read the law and they tried to achieve it. Jesus actually told those guys, he says, you are of your father, the devil. You know what made them like their father, the devil? They did exactly what the devil did. They tried to do it without God. They tried to do it without the Spirit of God. And Jesus was furious. He said, you're a bunch of hogs, dogs, snakes, dead sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. You are fake. You are fake. You present yourself to the church. But I know what you are. I know what you are. That's what he said. You're fake. Because only the Spirit of God can transform a person. You see, the law was meant to bring a man to his knees. To have the revelation that you need a Savior. That you can't achieve. You can't work hard enough. And you got to ask the question, why are there so many people walking around the church with heavy weight on them? Come on, man. This is liberating. You see, you mean I don't have to work at that? What if you put all your energy into meeting this one who has the power over sin, who actually already conquered sin and sent his spirit to come and get you out of the dirt? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you can't get yourself out of the dirt, man. (laughs) Some of you got mud all over you, baby. There's only one who carries living water that washes off the dirt. Only one. Come on, man. You mean all I have to do is lay it down? I drop down to my knees and I say, Holy Ghost. I need you, Holy Ghost. The one who washes, cleanses, and makes you new. Come on, man. You see, I used to get so angry in church because people would come up week after week in the prayer line. I used to do the altar. I used to pray for hours of people. Whoever would come up, I'd be there. Ask my wife. There'd be Wednesday and Saturday nights. Oftentimes, I didn't get home until 12 or 1 a.m. because I love to pray with people. And they would come up, people that sat in church for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. And they got the weight and the mud and the dirt still on them. That would make me angry. It would just make me furious. Because something, some form of religion had a grip on them so vehemently that it blinded them to the revelation of the simplicity of the gospel that He came to wash you and deliver you and set you free from the weight That you weren't made to carry. Come on, man. There's people in here tonight that are carrying weight that you're not designed to carry. (laughs) People ask me why I laugh so much when I preach. You know why? Because He liberated me, baby. He liberated me. You see, I had to achieve it. I had to go further in school than anybody else. I had to get another degree, then another degree, then another degree. I had to carry weight. I had to go to to take another promotion to do, you know, everything that I had to do to prove myself. 
But when the living Christ came into my life, and that weight lifted off of me, and that Holy Ghost came upon me, and I heard His voice for the first time in my life, dude, woo! Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> Liberation! And that's what makes me mad. When I see people come to the altar after sitting in church for 20, 30 years, and it's like, have you been listening to an imposter? (laughs) You see, I'm not mad at the people. I'm mad at the imposter who presents Jesus in a way that condemns a man instead of liberating a man. Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to save. He came to liberate you. He came to make you laugh every day of your life. All that laughing stuff's not for me. You know, that's just not for me, man. What? Dude, I went through a season about 10 years ago. I would make my coffee, come and sit down downstairs. I'd put my coffee down, and I'm starting to try to pray what I wanted to pray. And the Holy Ghost would come on me, and the next thing I know, I'm in a, in a puddle of snot, laying on the floor, shaking, weeping. <laughs> then I'm laughing for 30 minutes, and then I'm crying for 30 minutes, then I'm laughing for 30 minutes. And I didn't say one word other than dwell in the presence of the Almighty and laugh with Him. And I get up and it's like, oh, 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 I didn't even have to speak. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He invaded my prayer room. I went downstairs to meet him and he came to meet me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, I get back on track here. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> All right, let me tell you a quick story. I was in Pittsburgh. Shelly and I got moved to Pittsburgh in 2013. We were there for about a year and a half. And during this time, um, early in the time that we moved there, I got a phone call from a friend that said, Hey, there's two people I know. They need a ride to such and such. Will you take them? Sure, I'm going that direction. So I pick them up. It turns out their names are Megan and Corey. Okay? I pick them up. They get in the car. Corey's sitting in the front seat with me, okay? Megan's in the back seat. And I'll I'll tell you what they did before I start the story so you have a revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Megan was about 18 years old. Her mother was in the porn industry. Corey was one of the top acid dealers in Pittsburgh, he, had the, he was extremely intelligent, and he knew how to grow mushrooms. I don't, I don't know what that is, but um, I did other stuff, but not mushrooms. Okay? And so anyway, apparently, you know, when you do shrooms or whatever they call it, you'd start tripping on acid. Okay? There were people from all over the country that would call this. He was 19 or 20 at the time, calling this kid, and he'd teach him how to grow mushrooms. So not only did he sell mushrooms, there were, he, he, there were people all over the country who knew this 20-year-old kid. And he's sitting there, but he's, he's literally broken. He grew up in church, but he, was so, he had the weight of condemnation so great that he was out in the world in the middle of muck and mire. Okay, And so we start talking. He starts asking me questions. The next thing you know, I'm prophesying over this dude. Okay? He, he says, all right, I want Jesus. I want him. I want Jesus. And I start prophesying over him. 
And he, he's like, his tears are running down his face, but it's, it's like his tongue is locked, okay? He's like, oh, oh. He, he can't talk. He's like, some power has a grip on him to the degree that he, he, he can't speak. He's, he's, he's getting filled with the Holy Spirit, but t- the gift of tongues is not coming out of him, okay? Now, Megan in the back seat, whose mother is in the porn industry, never stepped foot in a church. Ever. She's in the back seat, and as I'm prophesying over Corey, Megan, all, all of a sudden you hear this, ah, she starts crying, and the gift of tongues flies out of her mouth. She never went through the sinner's prayer. She never went through any form of religious act, but she was in the presence of the prophetic voice, and suddenly she starts to pray in the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. Corey turns around in shock. Because he knows what she is and where she came from. And all of a sudden, out of his mouth, the power of the Holy Spirit, he starts shaking, crying. And I, I sat there with these guys for hours ministering to them, okay? They got so shaken in the Holy Spirit, they would come to my wife and I's house. There was about a six-month period while we were in Pittsburgh. They were there every week, several times a week. And they would sit there for hours and ask and want the presence of the Lord. And we'd pray with them. And, you know, suddenly, you know, some nights Corey would start having deliverance. Some nights Megan would start having deliverance. And we start prophesying over this kid. And anyway, their life got completely straightened out. They, they actually were transformed to such a degree that Corey now runs a business in South Carolina. He, he runs um, a, uh, a, a, real, a realtor business and, and a banking business, and it's just crazy. And we hadn't seen him for six years, and we were in South Carolina a few months ago. Um, for uh, I guess it was August, and we called him and said, hey, we're in the area. And they're like, yeah, and they, you know, we met. They, they grabbed hold of us, and it was like... It was like this son grabbed a hold of me. Like he, there was this love that came out of him and, and out of Megan. It was like this grip you could feel. They, they're changed forever. They are literally changed forever. Amen. And I'm here to tell you tonight that I don't care what muck and mire you're in. The prophetic voice of the Lord comes to do supernatural work in a person's life. Amen. And I talked so long that my computer went out. So, But here's the deal, guys. Many in the church are still condemned. You've got to ask why. You've got to ask the question why. Have you truly met the living voice of the Holy Ghost? Because the Holy Ghost, if you met the Holy Ghost... Are you with me? If you met the Holy Ghost, you're transformed. You may have heard this story in John 8 about this woman who was caught in adultery. You see, this woman who was caught in adultery was caught by those who came to condemn her under the law. Let me read this story to you. 
Starting with verse 1, but Jesus, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. But Jesus went into the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came back into the temple court and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began teaching them. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. They made her stand in the center of the court and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the old, now in the law, the old covenant, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. You haven't brought anybody to church and watched, watched them get stoned, have you? That's a little deep. I hope not. Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? What is your sentence? They said this to him to test him, hoping that they would have grounds for accusing him. You see, the rules... When the rules of the law are above the essence of mercy and deliverance. Condemnation is at the forefront of the motive of the law. It's actually there to condemn. Right? They didn't, they didn't, they didn't say, oh my gosh, there's a woman caught in adultery. we got to go save her. They said, oh, we're going to bring her to condemn her. Right? And they were trying to catch Jesus and to test Jesus. But Jesus came, it says that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. He accomplished everything on the cross so that the condemnation of the law no longer has power over sin. Come on, man. That's worth a little bit more than a, than a golf clap. That's the essence of the gospel. But not only that, the worshipers of the law were actually blind to the mercy of the Savior. They couldn't see the Savior. They didn't know Jesus as the Savior. Amen? They couldn't see Him. The law tried to even condemn God. The Pharisee used the law to even condemn the very act that Jesus came in the mercy of God to release adoption on the earth instead of condemning it. That's probably, a little, that's probably a little deep, but Jesus came to save. Jesus came to save. The mercy of God came to save. Amen? You see, but here's the deal, guys. The next verse. But Jesus stooped down and began to write on the ground with His finger. Because the woman who was condemned didn't have the power to stop what she was doing and even depend on the righteous of the day. She had to depend on the Savior to come down and speak to her. And it says that he stooped down and he starts to write on the ground. You know where else he wrote on the ground? You see, way back in the book of Genesis... It says that the Lord spoke into the darkness. The darkness could not comprehend the light. It couldn't stop it. And creation came out of the voice of God. Right? And then He created Adam. It says that He reached down into the dirt. He reached down and formed Adam out of the dirt, breathed into Adam, and gave life to Adam. You think Jesus as a son was doing what His Father did? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. Anybody see anything that Jesus has done? 
Anybody see anything that Jesus has done? My goodness. Just like His Father. You see, the finger, if you understand the finger... The essence of the finger. When Jesus writes down, stoops down and He writes with the finger, he was, it was a prophetic act indicating that as He sent the Holy Spirit, that you also would be equipped with the finger. Is not the Holy Spirit known in the Bible as the finger of God? Jesus even actually references, He says, Do I cast out demons by the finger? By the finger. By the Holy Ghost. You see, the law came and condemned a person. But Jesus came. Do you understand why He came and so powerfully wanted to get to the cross so He could conquer sin and death? The word sin, everybody thinks about sin as the act. Do you know Jesus isn't worried about the act? He's not worried about your dirt. He writes in dirt. Jesus writes in your dirt. He writes things that you can't write yourself. He does things in your dirt that you can't stop and wash off yourself. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the Spirit of God, the kingdom, has come upon you. The finger. Can you understand why Jesus wanted to go to the cross? So that He could conquer sin, separation, and death. Sin is about separation. It's not about the act. If you think of sin as the act and you're trying to stop the act, it's, that's the wrong understanding. Sin is about you being separated. And Jesus came to break down the middle wall of separation so that you would be connected in the Spirit to God. And when you're connected in the Spirit, He promises to pour out His Spirit that you have dreams and visions. The finger begins to write on your heart and redefine what you really are. He actually writes your destiny. He unveils what you really are. Your destiny of what you were called to be. Before the foundations of the earth, He rewrites on your heart. He erases that dirt and establishes what you are. Amen? You guys are quiet, man. You guys are right? Everybody okay? This, this isn't too deep for you, is it? Some of you are out there thinking, man, I wasted five years trying to stop this when I should have just been laying on my face saying, Jesus! You got that ick all over you. You're walking around. You can't shake the ick. I don't know why. I feel like I'm going through a bad season. Why don't you just lay on your face and cry out, Jesus! Come right on my heart. Write your vision on my heart. Change my destiny. Change my life. Break through and separate me from the darkness that keeps me from hearing your living voice. Amen? (laughs) You see, is there a Corey and Megan in the house? Is there anybody rolling in the muck and the mire? I don't care if you've been in church for 30 years. If you walk in here every week and you're condemned... 
He's coming here tonight to write. He, he's coming down here to reach down and stoop down to you and do something to you that you can't do yourself. He's coming to write in your dirt. To form something out of you that you couldn't do yourself. You see, their church is littered with an orphan spirit. People that don't know that they're adopted. People that haven't been transformed by something supernatural. You know, up until the age of 35, I kind of knew Jesus was real, but not really real. I tried to do it myself. I tried to stop things. I tried to do better. I tried to achieve But until that night when I was 35 years old, when he sat beside me on the bed and he spoke and asked me to speak for him, I didn't even know him. I gave him every excuse in the book. My mud actually spoke back to him. The dirt in me spoke back to him. Does your dirt ever speak back to Jesus? You see, when my dirt spoke back to Jesus, I said, I don't even know who you are. That night, he's sitting beside me. I don't even know who you are. I don't know your Bible. I don't know anything about you. And all I kept asking, will you speak for me? I've called you to speak for me. I don't know who you are. Every excuse in the book. Everyone. For hours. For hours. You know what happened the next day? The next day, I, I, I wake up. Oh, actually, I never even went to bed that night. He sat there with me at, at till 5.30 in the morning. I finally answered him. I said, I cut him a deal. I said, all right, here's the deal. If I'm asked, anybody ever cut the Lord a deal? I said, here's the deal. I gave the ruler of the universe a deal. Imagine that. You see, he'll take anything. He'll take any mess. He'll write in it and make something out of you that you couldn't make out of yourself. Here's the deal. I'll cut you a deal, Jesus. I said, I said these words to him. I said, I said these words. I said, I won't speak, but if I'm asked to, I'll answer. You know what he did? Whoosh. He was gone. He got something out of me that I couldn't get out of myself. The great Dave Cuppet cut Jesus Christ a deal. I gave him something. He can work with anything. He can work with any amount of mud and dirt. I don't care where you're at right now. He will transform you if you give him just that much. That happened at 5.30 in the morning on June 1st, 2005. At 10 o'clock that morning, there was now Sunday morning. Shelly and I walk into the same church. I didn't tell you a word to her that I spent all night talking to the King of Kings. She'd have thought I was crazy. We walk in. We sit down, we get through worship. The, guy, the prophet guy stands up. He starts to, starts to preach. He gets down off the pulpit. He walks down the aisle and he sticks the mic in my face. And he says, I heard you cut a deal with Jesus last night. Come on, is there anybody in here who ever cut a deal with Jesus? He says, I heard you cut a deal with Jesus. And I'm supposed to ask you if you'll speak. 
dude, I started to shake. And it wasn't me. The presence of God, like the anointing of the Holy Ghost, something that Dave Cuppet couldn't do himself, I'm shaking. And the prophet, he was a big guy, he's about 6'4". Come on, son. Grabs me by the arm, he walks me up front. He turns me around. He puts a mic in my hand. Ooh, I'm shaking. And this call came out of me. I didn't know it was in me. But this call came out. I said, I don't know who you are, but Jesus Christ is alive. He's real. And I started to talk about my discussion with the living God that night. And all I can tell you is people stood up out of their chairs. They come forward and they said, I want to meet this Jesus. That wasn't me. All I can tell you is that wasn't me. This isn't me. No, I'm telling you, this isn't me. The guy I knew was climbing a corporate ladder and all he focused on was achievement. But Jesus takes people's mud. Jesus reaches into your mess and literally transforms you and makes you something That you could never do. You see, the problem is we have too many people trying to make themselves look righteous in church. Instead of crying out for an encounter, not only in church, but because they have this prayer life where they cry out. And they say, Jesus, I need you to write on my heart today. I need you to take my mud, all this stuff that I think I have and I know. I need you to write on me and make me what you called me to be. And out of that heart cry, you come together so that when people come through the doors nobody's condemning them because the heart cry that came out of you is looking for people to write on that's what the prophetic gift is the prophetic gift sees through the eyes of Christ and looks for people that he wants to write on are you with me You see, the prophetic gift will transform you in a way that you could never, ever transform yourself. Until an individual's transformed, he can't use you to go transform something. You can't hide whether or not you have a prayer life. Your prayer life defines your transformation. Your heart cry of need of this living God. You see... People all the time. Well, I just, I I sit down and pray for five minutes and I just stop. I can't do it. You need a heart cry for the living God. Do you need Jesus or don't you? Because all I know is this, is that those guys called Pharisees, they didn't really need them either. You see, a lot of you think it's, it's just cool that, well... You know, you don't really condemn other people, but you condemn yourself. You hide behind something called self-righteousness. You don't even know it's self-righteousness. You call it like meekness and shyness. But it's actually something that you don't want to expose yourself. You don't want to let this heart cry of need out of you in front of other people. Everybody all right? I'm not getting too deep on you, am I? You see, Jesus is trying to ignite a fire in here tonight that you wouldn't be worried about the people around you and what you look like because He wants people who will be transparent with Him and cry out for Him because He goes into those people's lives and writes on their mud. 
The lie of the church is that you don't have any mud. You came to the altar once, you said, I, I believe, and you're good. You know how religious that is? Oh yeah, back in 1989. I felt the presence of the Lord. I came forward. I, I did it, man. I said, yes. I said, yes, Lord. And I sat in that same chair for the last 30 years. I had been here every Sunday. Every Sunday. Oh, yeah. Go look at the attendance record. Every Sunday. Did you ever cry out for the living God? Did you ever hear His voice? Did you ever actually shake in His presence, weeping on the floor, so undone in the power of the Holy Ghost that you couldn't even stand up? All you could do is cry out, More! More! You see, what would you look like if you came into the walls to gather crying out for more? Everybody okay? (laughs) I better get through this. I better get through this show. John 8, 7. However, when they persisted in questioning him, he straightened up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. You see, Jesus was saying that unless you fulfill the whole law, Unless you do it all, unless you live a sinless life by the law, your, your acts are worthless. And guess what? It's impossible for you to do it. The imposters didn't even know they were imposters. They didn't even know that they needed them. But, say this, then he stooped down again. Turn to your neighbor and say, then he stooped down again. And he started writing on the mud. He started writing in the dirt again. You see, a lot of people feel condemned that they didn't answer the call five years ago or even ten years ago. And they sit there and they're angry at themselves. What if I should have done this or I could have done that? I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus always has another time when He reaches down in your dirt. He stooped down a second time. And began to write in the dirt, prophesying the coming of the Holy Ghost that would transform the dirt on the earth. Yes, Lord. You see, does anything ring a bell when, when the curse came upon Adam, when he failed, right? Now, this is going to be pretty deep. When he failed, he says, Satan, you're going to lick the dust of the earth. Did he not? And then he sent his son Jesus to come stoop down in the dirt. Somebody's got to get this. You see, he told Satan to lick and eat the dirt. You're going to eat it the rest of your life. You're going to work to consume these people. But my son is going to come and he's going to reach into their life with the Holy Ghost and he's going to begin to write on their heart and transform them in a way and you thought that you were consuming them but the sons and daughters of God are going to turn around and begin to step on the head of the serpent just like Jesus Christ, the ultimate son. Are there any sons and daughters in the house? You see, if you feel like you're condemned, if you feel like you're never going to achieve, you're never going to measure up, you're just not going to get there. 
That's a lie from Satan. You know why? Because he's afraid of a son or daughter being awakened to the fact that under the prophetic anointing, you can write not only on your own dirt, but on the dirt of the people around you. You know, when, I, when the prophetic gift started flowing out of me, it didn't flow out on the people first. I would sit in my prayer room for hours in the, in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord would give me a vision about me. All these visions for a whole season for years. The first, like, four years were about me. Why are you giving these visions about me? And then he started talking to me about, I want you to speak the contrast between what you are versus what I see you as. And he would sit, I would sit there in his presence and he would show me me in the years ahead. And I would begin to speak what the Lord showed me. And can I tell you this? Years ago, probably 10 years ago, I started to prophesy that I would one day go to the nations. Guess what? In 2016, the Lord prophesied that I would go to the nations. And I'm not saying that I said that out of my own like desire. The Lord would show me in front of crowds of Asian people in my, in my dreams, in my visions. And I had to believe what He was writing on my heart was a real thing. And so I began to speak the fact that I was going to the nations. I was going to Asia to bring the power of the Holy Spirit to the nations. And guess what? Years later, He sends me to India. I wasn't, it wasn't... I'm, well, I'm telling you this... Not because you to just pick and choose things. I'm revealing this to you so that you would be in your prayer life. And whatever the Lord shows you, He'll do through you. He'll call you to execute. Amen? That's the power of the voice of the Lord. It's not just visions to have visions. They're real. They come forth. Amen? Visions come forth. So Jesus stooped down again and started writing on the ground. They listened to his reply and they, be, they began to go out one by one, starting with the oldest ones, until he was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. You see, Jesus addressed two parties completely differently. And the fear of the Lord, you've got to have an understanding of this, church. The fear of the Lord is not you. You can't fear enough to get to Jesus. The word fear in the English, English language is the wrong understanding. It's, it gives the wrong presentation of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is actually an honor, an awe. Like you are so awestruck that He would come and write on your mud and transform you that a presence of the Lord walks with you wherever you go. But most of the church is inundated trying to scare people to the altar. Well, you're going to go to hell. We, yeah. You're going to, okay, that, that's truth, but how, how are you going to transform them? They're only transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You see, Mary Magdalene, um, I believe the story of the, of the adulterous woman is really about Mary Magdalene. Um, different scholars say different things, but based on what I studied, I believe Mary Magdalene was this adulterous woman. And Jesus looked at her and He said, go and sin no more. Right? But can I tell you this? Go and sin no more is not a command to not do the act of sin. He's actually speaking to her and saying, don't be separated from God. 
Because I see you, I see you as a daughter of the Most High God, and no longer will you be found in an adulterous place, but you'll be found at the feet of Jesus. He's speaking prophetically into her life. So how do, how do you read it? How do you, how do you hear it? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more is about sin. The, the, the definition of sin is about separation. It's not about the act. The act is just what comes forth because you're separated. So if you have an act of sin issue, it's because you have a separation from God issue. And no amount of you trying to stop that act can get you over it without coming to the feet of Christ. You see, mercy reached down and took a victim of the law and transformed her. He literally changed her life by speaking life into her. Amen? John 8.10, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, for now on, sin no more. You see, here's the deal, guys. Mercy ultimately leads you to hearing His voice. Adoption leads the charge of the army of the Lord. That's the vision. Adoption leads the charge of the army of the Lord. You see, the love of the Lord is relentless. The love of the Lord is so relentless that there's nothing that can keep Him from coming to you. There literally is nothing that can keep the Lord from coming to you. You may, you may feel like you've been, you know, you're on the edge, you're on the fence. This may not be, this whole Christian thing may not be for you. I don't have a purpose, I don't have a calling. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus, His love is relentless. He comes to reach down and find people's dirt. And you see, I don't care if you've been in the church for 3 years, 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years. Actually, those that just came into the church in some ways are more sensitive with a hunger for the Lord than those who have been in here. And we've done it this way. That's the way it is. That's the way it was. That's the way it's going to be. But you know what? The elders are supposed to be leading the charge in the essence of the thirst of God. Right? You see, if the younger see the elders... Chasing God with a fervency, an absolute need, a desperation, and an expectation. You guys got that word last week, Pastor, expectation. You connect desperation with expectation that God is going to come do something different in your life. God's going to come and move in some region of your life. God's going to do something that you actually need Him to come do. It's because His love is relentless and you know His love is relentless and He will not leave His sons and daughters orphaned. He is not a God who orphans people. He is not a God that leaves you and says, well, you did this wrong, so I'm going to back off. Do you ever hear people say that? I heard people in church for years, well, I didn't put my tithe check in there for the last two weeks and I'm probably, he's probably mad at me. What? Isn't that an act under the law? That condemnation comes forth as an act of the law? You see, when I give, I give out of a heart. Right? 
Come on, man, this is getting deep. This is separating heart issues. This is separating you from condemning yourself. You see, right now, you're probably looking at yourself and thinking, man, I do that. There's some things that I just, I just condemn myself for. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the Lord, no matter where you're at in your life, He's coming to write on your heart. And I'm trying to get you set up for personal prophecy so that when the, prof, when the prof, prophetic word actually sinks into your heart, He's actually reaching into the mud, the dark thing that hides you and keeps you from being and what, what you are called to be, what you truly are, and to reveal to the world a son who kills giants. Come on, man. I'm looking in front of a church filled with sons and daughters who are destined to kill giants. You are destined to break curses off your family. You are destined to break generational curses of poverty. You are destined to break hopelessness and despair. You are destined to break off depression. Absolute breaking of depression. You see, you have to declare war. You have to realize that Jesus has declared war on condemnation. He showed me an angel named Adoption who leads the charge in the church. He showed me an angel that leads a charge to come and adopt and reach into the mud in people's lives. And say, that's not what you are. Jesus said, you are a healer. Come on, man. Adoption leads the charge of the army of the Lord. Say that with me. Spirit of adoption. Lead the charge in delivering me from the muck and mire in my life. Spirit of adoption. Come into my life with the army of the Lord and drive out every dark force that condemns me, that blinds me, that keeps me in prison, that sees me as woeful, that sees me as hopeless, that sees me as depressed. Spirit of adoption, come into my life and write on my heart. Redefine what you say I am. Come, just like you came at the beginning and spoke into the darkness. And the darkness could not stop the light. Light of heaven. Living Word of God. Spirit of prophecy. Speak to me. Now stand up, church. Can I get some music? You see, you guys, you guys gotta, like, you weren't born to sit still. You weren't born to sit still. You were born to expect domination. You were born to expect money to fall into your hands. You were born to expect supernatural favor in your life. You were born to overcome things. You were born to walk across city streets and see homeless people and prophesy into their life. You were born to walk into the place where they sell drugs and call forth that acid dealer and say, you weren't born to be an acid dealer. You were born for the Spirit of the Lord to do supernatural things. 
Come on, your mother may be in the porn business. You may have dabbled in the wrong thing. But I'm here to tell you that there is no amount of darkness and mud that can keep you. Nothing. You know why? Do you know why? Because I heard His voice. I heard His voice and I get a chance to speak into your life. So I don't care what darkness... What thing you deal with, what your parents dealt with, what you've accepted as hopeless. That's a lie from the devil. Satan, who's been licking dirt in here for years, is going to get stepped on tonight. Satan, who has been licking dirt in here for years, feeding on your depression, feeding on your despair, feeding on hopelessness. Satan's going to get stepped on tonight because his love is relentless, guys. His love is relentless. Come on, his love is relentless. 